Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. But it is terrifying being out there every single week because you don't know who's mic'd up and who's not. So you got to be very careful with what you say. I made a comment to Max Homa's caddy, Joe Griner, one day, and he yeah. just starts laughing. And I go, you're mic'd up right now, aren't you? He goes, yep. And I'm like, damn it. I was like, delete that. I looked over at the guys. Uh, but it's so fun. Hi, I'm Colt Nose from CBS Sports, otherwise known as Big Gravy. And I am so excited to be on Off the Beat. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Off the Beat with me, your host, Brian Baumgartner. Now, guys, you aren't going to believe this, but my guest today is someone I play golf with. (laughs) Yes. Now, I know that a lot of my guests lately have also been my golf friends, but here's the thing. I am very, very lucky to get to play golf with some really interesting people. In fact, This is one of my favorite things about the game of golf is that I get to spend four or five hours out on the course with someone, and I'm really fortunate to have the time to talk and get to know them very well. And so I want to share some of these fascinating people with you. So today I have brought a fascinating friend right off the green and right into your ears. The great Colt Nost is with me today. Colt is a former PGA Tour pro, current PGA Tour commentator and alumnus of SMU, hail to the red and the blue, like myself, go Mustangs. And as I said, an analyst on CBS golf coverage where he is doing a fantastic job. Uh, I know a few things about golf. Colt knows seemingly everything about golf. He knows so much, in fact, that he has not one, but two shows where he shares his knowledge and talks about the sport. You can hear him on the podcast Golf's Subpar and three days a week on his Sirius XM show, Gravy and the Sleaze. Colt, well, he's known as Big Gravy. He's a big personality and he really gives uh, the sometimes stuffy game of golf a big injection of personality. And I love it. And I love what he is doing for the game of golf. So let's hear about him starting his golf journey at a very young age and completing his pro career 
retiring at the also young age of 35 and beginning anew in the media and broadcast world. Here he is, my friend and soon to be yours, Big Gravy, Colt Nost. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning left over from the night before. What's up, Colt? How are we doing, Brian? Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you. I mean, I can see you're a professional uh, podcaster. You you have a light shining right directly behind you, right into the thing. I mean, that's perfect. You've done it. You've set yourself up perfectly. It took me a while, but I kind of figured it out a little <laughs> bit. We, we do a few of these. I know you certainly do. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Well, first off, how are you? Are you good? Are you taking some time off these days? Well, I thought I was, you know, we just did 19 to 21 weeks to end the season for CBS starting back at Augusta. So I thought I was going to have some time off, but, um, you know, things come up here and there. So I guess I'm for, for a fact, I don't sit still very well. <laughs> so I've been all over the place. Um, heading over to Rome here shortly for the Ryder cup, which I'm really pumped about. But yeah, man, life's good. It's good to be wanted occasionally, I guess. CBS has the Ryder Cup this year. No, they don't. NBC does. I'm actually working it for Sirius XM. We have a show over there Got three it. days a week, and uh, I'm going to be one of their analysts over in Rome. I've never been to a Ryder Cup across the pond, so I'm very excited. Oh, that's awesome. Well, congratulations on that. Is the Ryder Cup the best golf event? You know... It's it's my favorite to watch just because it's so different than anything. You know, it's actually team golf. And going to my first Ryder Cup two years ago at Whistling Straits, you know, the, the scene on the first tee Friday morning, I mean, the people start getting there at 5 a.m. And they are going, you know, they got the chants, the songs, everything. I mean, you get, I'm not even playing. I was getting goosebumps and I was nervous watching the guys. But I just don't think you see that passion at any other event other than the Ryder Cup. I mean, the Masters, obviously, individually wise, is the greatest golf tournament there is. But the Ryder Cup, since it's every other year, I think it makes it so special. And you get 12 guys coming together where, you know, normally it's just mano a mano. Well, you know, I, I want to talk about you, but you bring up something that I feel like I, I need to talk about, which is, you know, we, we've got we've got the Live Tour, which essentially has, well, I don't know if it's staked its claim on this, but, you know, obviously one of the huge components for them was team play. I uh, I had a conversation with Charlie Hoffman about this. Do you feel like team play is coming for the PGA Tour or no? I do not. You know, I'm all for, like I said, the Ryder Cup, and it's every other year, the President's Cup, all that. Like, that's different. I mean, that's representing your country. The right. team part, like, I think the PGA Tour and professional golf, it's always been an individual sport. And I think that's what makes it great. I, you know, you look at tennis, like the ratings and singles are much higher than the ratings and doubles. Like no one really cares about the doubles matches at the U.S. Open. Right. I'm sorry. They just don't. Um, so therefore, I don't think it's that big a deal. Like, listen, Liv was great. It's a disruptor. But I don't think the team aspect is that big a deal. I think they're told to talk about it and say, you know, I'm not playing that great this week, but I know if I can play well the last day, I can really help my team out and all that. I don't see it. I still think golf's an individual game. 
you're out there playing for yourself and your caddy and um, you want to go out there and win individually. I would say that the individual win and live probably means a lot more than the team win. Okay. I mean, it's curious to me. I mean, I, I tend to agree with you, but you know, I think the Ryder cup thing and, and Charlie said a, a similar version of what you said, which is if you're playing for your country and as a spectator, you can get behind that either, you know, the Europeans or uh, international teams or whatever versus the United States wanting to beat the United States, the United States wanting to, you know, to, to dominate uh, singularly. So you feel like that is the thing that makes it special and brings its passion. It's, it's less about the team aspect. Yeah. Like, like for me, like I played the Walker cup, which is the amateur version of the Ryder cup. And I mean, you put on the red, white, and blue, you hear your national anthem at the opening ceremonies. Like, I mean, it brings a lot of guys to tears. You just, in golf, you're you're never a part of the team. And, like, I know it's in the Olympics now, which is really cool, but it's still not, you know, we're used to seeing major championships and Ryder Cups growing up in the game of golf. And I think you always dream of putting on the red, white, and blue, and where, whether it's in America or in Europe, going over there and being with 11 other guys and teaming up and battling it out for your country. You're not battling it out for, it's no disrespect to live, the, the cliques or the range goats or anything like that. Like, that's just, that's totally different. I haven't been able to get behind the team aspect as far as it comes to live the Ryder cup. It's just, it's just different. I mean, being right. every other year is such a huge deal. And you see the fans are one side or the other, you know, there's not 12 teams out there. There's a group of people root for one team and a group of people root for other. It's listen, I'm team USA and I'm team Europe and we're going to chant. We're going to sing. We're going to talk trash and have fun. Um, I just don't think it's quite on the same level. The other point you made that, that I have to address with you, or at least ask your opinion about what makes the masters the greatest golf tournament. I think because it's at one golf course throughout the history of time. And so if, even if you're not a golf fan, like you can probably, you probably know what amen corner is. You can recognize those holes because we see it every year. And it's just one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Everybody knows about the green jacket, the history. I think that's what makes it so special. I mean, it's by far the most watched golf tournament every single year and the place is just so special yeah you know it's funny i've talked to some people about this the sort of the age-old like what's the what's the greatest golf course or people asking me like what's my favorite golf course or whatever and a, a lot of times people will bring up cyprus right up there uh, on the monterey peninsula and you know talk about that versus pebble and people saying oh cyprus is so much better see for me it can't compare to Pebble. And the reason why simply is as you're playing Pebble, you remember shots that you have seen year after year, either in U.S. Opens or the regular tour event, AT&T, that's played there. Oh, this shot on six. Oh, this shot on 17. You know, And to be able to play those shots that the other players that you've watched other players play so much to me that that makes it special, right? Yes. A hundred percent. And just going back to the masters, like my first ever trip there, I believe was three years ago to cover the masters. And it was, um, 2021. The, it was still very limited patrons and all that. So Monday I get there and I go out and I walk all 18 holes by myself. And you're exactly right. Like I'm going up every hole and I'm like, Oh, so-and-so did this there. 
And you know, I, and I knew exactly what hole was coming every time. Like it wasn't like I would walk to a hole and be like, right. "Oh, this is number four. It's like, no, I know what number four is because <laughs> I right. watched it so many times. Yeah. You know, I remember like on seventeen, you're putting from the left side of the green to the right. It's crazy fast going that way, and everybody thinks it breaks right, but it always holds up. Um, so you just you remember those little things and going around Augusta, seeing it in person for the first time, I was just blown away by how small the sections in the greens are. Like you have to be so precise and it just shows you how good these guys are. Like seeing like everybody on 16 on Sunday, right? You're waiting on that hole in one because we see it every single year. And then you get there on the tee box and you're like, okay, that's not really that big of an area where these <laughs> right. guys land that golf ball. This is not that easy of a shot. <laughs> right, right. All right. I could talk golf forever, but uh, let's talk about you. Something <laughs> equally as interesting. Less interesting. <laughs> you were born in Ohio. And then fairly quickly moved to Pilot Point, Texas. What what was the the move? Was this a so, family move? Yeah, my mom moved down there when I was very young. So like I I consider myself from Texas. Like I have some family in Ohio, but I don't remember any of Ohio. And my voice definitely doesn't sound like I'm from Ohio. I quickly <laughs> adopted the Texas twang. But yeah, uh, mom moved down there, and um, you know it was a blessing. Uh, obviously, much better weather throughout the year in Ohio, and introduced me to the game of golf. How did you start playing golf? Did you start playing really early? Are you like a four-year-old out there, little gravy swinging, <laughs> or are you? Are you? Is this later? No. So I joke around about this, but I'm actually serious. And like, I was a sports freak growing up. I mean, football, baseball, basketball, hockey. I loved it all. I watched it all. Golf was later for me, and it's honestly because I realized like I'm not going to be built for much else. Like I'm not going to be six three. In the, you know, the super fit guy and super athletic, like that's probably not just me. So I start my, I had some buddies that played golf. I picked it up and I absolutely fell in love immediately. And I pretty much quit every other sport and focused on just golf. I was like, if I want to do anything in professional sports, I think this is the route I have to go. So I was all in on golf immediately. And it's honestly because of the way I was built. How old are you at this point? I was 12 or 13 when I picked up. I think I was 12 years old because Tiger was the big influence when he won the 97 Masters. Okay. So you're 12 or 13 years old, by the way, like I decided at a really early age, I was going to be the first baseman for the Atlanta Braves. So for me, it was early as well. It didn't happen for me quite that way, but for you, was it like, Oh, I'm picking this up and this is what I'm going to do. Is it that early? It, it was pretty early on, like, but I still didn't know throughout my career because growing up in pilot point, Texas, by the way, is a town of 5,000 people. It's okay. like horse country. There's not a golf course. Um, I, my former stepdad was a horse trainer, and we had a 55-acre ranch. So basically, I had my own driving range at the house. I just had to go pick them up and shag balls. Okay. And I just I was very natural. Like I didn't take a lot of lessons. Started later on working with a coach here and there. But I just fell in love with the game, and I was like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to figure out a way to make it in golf. And I would every day after school, I would be out there alongside the house hitting golf balls into the pasture, going out there and picking them up and just got better year in, year out. Didn't play a lot of ton, ton of national, like junior stuff or anything like that. Didn't have many college looks. Ended up where you went at SMU, which there was you great because my longtime coach, Randy Smith, was 10 minutes down the road at Royal Oaks Country Club. And I worked with him. And even in college, like I remember I went out my first qualifying round because you have 12 guys on the team and only five travel. My first round, I shot 77. And I told my mom, I'm like, I don't know if I'm made for this. And just kept working, ended up making the first tournament, never missed one throughout college in four years, 
and just continue to get better. And then obviously had a lot of success my senior year and knew like, hey, PGA Tour is my dream and I'm going to do everything I can to get there. The Western Athletic Conference, the WAC conference that SMU <laughs> was in at the time, 2004, freshman of the year. So, yeah, I mean, you started out quickly. The 77 must have turned into sixes pretty quickly. How, how SMU has always had or typically has a great golf team. Bryson DeChambeau, among others, went there. And how was SMU when you were there? Were you, were you competing nationally? Yeah, we made it to nationals two out of my four years. You know, you got to okay. go through conference, regionals, and then get to nationals. Um, probably our best team we ever had was my junior year, and we just missed out, which was a tough one. But yeah, we have a great history there between, you know, the late Payne Stewart. Of course. An SMU Mustang, Hank Keeney. Um, we went on a run where we won four USAMs in 16 years at, at a school like SMU, which is kind of unheard of. Kelly Kraft, Bryson, myself, and Hank Keeney. So yeah, I mean, it's always been a good school. It's a great spot. Obviously, I have great facilities there in Dallas, but the biggest thing for me was I was able to stay close to Randy Smith and work on my game. So was Randy your official coach? He was my swing coach, not my college coach. I worked with a guy. Uh, our college coach was Jay Lohr at SMU, but Randy Smith was the longtime swing instructor, Justin Leonard. He's now a Scotty Scheffler. He's at Scotty Scheffler since he was six years old. He was my swing coach. So when I wasn't practicing with the team, I was out working with Randy. Right. You decide to turn pro. When you leave school, you have had a ton of success in college. What was behind the decision for you to make that jump and decide that you're now going to grind and turn pro? Yeah. So it was, you know, winning the U.S. Amateur got me an invite to the Masters the next April. Right, which you didn't, you didn't take. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that's obviously one that gets a lot of criticism. And, you know, looking back, it I'm sucks. I'm not criticizing, but that's yeah. partly why I'm asking. Like, you're sort of dialed in to this path, and you decide to turn pro. Yeah, the biggest thing for me was, you know, I mean, and now going professional, it's a business now. And the way I looked at it and my team looked at it was, like, my stock was never going to be any higher. Like, I was the number one am in the world. I had just done something that only two other people in the game of golf had done in amateur golf, like, and there was a financial opportunity there for me. And as a 22-year-old kid, it's it's hard to pass that stuff up. And I was confident enough in my ability that I would get back to the Masters. And I talked to a lot of people. I mean, Phil Mickelson being one of them who reached out. We had a long discussion about it. And I decided it was time. Um, obviously, you know, I wish I would have played in the Masters, but I didn't. But at the right at that time, that was the right decision. Right. Do you regret it? No, I don't regret it at all. I okay. don't regret anything I've done in my career just because I think it's led me to a place that I'm really supposed to be, which I'm sure we'll get to. Right. But no, I mean, you, it's hard to look back. Like like I said, I would have loved to have played in the Masters. I joke if I would have played in the 2008 Masters when in the U.S. Am Champ plays with the defending champion, which would have been Zach Johnson. And I always give Zach our time. Like, you realize like, if Tiger would have been the defending champion, I would have stayed there. <laughs> I didn't want to play with another guy that hits it short and puts it really well. Like, I see that every day. <laughs> you don't stay now is it buy.com at the time still oh god i think it was web.com web.com yeah the current corn Ferry tour you miss out getting your pga tour card but just for one year and the second year you win two tournaments mm -hmm. are you feeling like your trajectory is you're gonna be the best in the world everything is going the way it's supposed to honestly right. like i mean Doing what I did in 07, going over to 
2008 on the now Corn Ferry Tour and winning twice. Honestly, I had a couple chances to win even more. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. I had a few chances. I mean, I was in the final group in Omaha. I remember to get a battlefield promotion. Had a good chance at the Tour Championship as well. But honestly, that was probably one of the worst things that happened to me is because I, I felt like golf was easy. I literally had not played bad in two years. And so I'm like, I'm going to go out on the PGA Tour. I'm going to win once or twice a year out there, make millions of dollars, have a great career, and then right off into the sunset. And then the golfing gods heard me. They slapped me around there for a while. Um, there's a lot of distractions out on the PGA Tour that are a lot of fun. And I, you know, that's the one thing I probably do regret is not working as hard early on in my PGA Tour career as I did, you know, in college and amateur golf. So you, once you got your tour card you feel like you worked not as hard? Yeah, I just, I thought, like, honestly, it was just, everything was easy. I had won something like, if you went back between college and my first year on the corn free, I had won like eight times in two years. Like, it was just, it was seriously, it was, it, golf felt easy. And I went out there and wasn't working the way I was, had a horrible rookie year, had to go back. And those first few seasons, I was back and forth between the corn Ferry and the PGA Tour, just trying to find my footing. And uh, it took me a little while. It took a lot of growing up. I talked to Charlie about that a little bit as well, that the only equivalent kind of right is going between major league baseball mm -hmm. and, and the minors. You know, how was that for you? I don't know, mentally, emotionally, was that, was that difficult for you, you know, being relic relegated or I guess soccer too, right? I'm, I'm mm -hmm. watching Wrexham right now being rel relegated back. Was that tough for you? I think it's tough on everybody, you know, starting out, when you're 22, like you're hungry, you'll play anywhere. That competition is great. You're playing professional golf for a living at the second highest level, basically. So things are great. But then you get a taste of the PGA Tour and you have to go back and it's it's a slap in the face. You go from courtesy cars, nice hotels, you know, finish top 10, making six figures. Things things are great. And then you have to go back again and you go back and back and forth. And eventually, the older you get, I think the tougher it is. Early on, it's like, OK, I'm learning, I'm learning. But eventually it's time it's at one point it's like, okay, enough is enough. Like it's time for me to step up, play golf, and stay out here on the PGA tour where I belong. Do you feel like you did that in 2015? Yeah, eventually. You know, I finally got comfortable. I, I had a good year in 12, I think I believe 2012, struggled in 13, and then 15 and 16, I really started playing well. Had a few chances to win. Uh, I think I had like eight top tens in two years, something like that. And then I, I hurt my left hand and had some trouble with that. But I finally felt like things were heading in the right, right direction right before I got hurt. Yeah, you and I spent a little bit of time together during that time when you hurt your hand. Now, what exactly happened again? What was it? What was it? So I was really struggling with a lot of pain in my left thumb in 2016. Had it looked at many a times, kept telling me there was, really wasn't anything wrong with my thumb. And I was playing so well. I went all of 2016 where my doctor let me warm up for 20 minutes before the round and then no practice afterwards. And I had the best year of my career. Uh, but it got to the point where my club head speed kept going down and down and down. And I can't afford that. I mean, I don't hit it far as it is. Um, went in, they finally looked at my wrist, said my wrist was jacked up. Went in, fixed that. Um, was out nine months, came back, hit a shot in Dallas and was like, man, something's not right. Like I just felt that pain immediately again in my thumb. Saw a specialist there in Dallas and he's like, whoever told you there was nothing wrong with your thumb was out of their mind. Like your UCL, UCL, and your left thumb is hanging on by a thread. Like we should oh have to do gosh. surgery tomorrow. So I literally withdrew from Byron Nelson that week, had surgery the next day and was out another nine months. Jeez. 
So tough. And those things happen. But, um, you know, the way I look at it is like that injury led me to what I'm doing now. And it might be the best thing that ever happened. Right. Do you think if you had, I mean, hindsight is 2020, but if someone had told you what the real issue was earlier, that you could have gotten it corrected earlier and come back stronger? Yeah, maybe. Um, obviously, being out being out for a lengthy amount of time is brutal. Just, I mean, not being in competition is is tough. Well, you, you lose your status too, right? Well, you can come back and play on a major medical, which is what okay. I was. So I was on a medical exemption. So I still got in all the PGA Tour events. Okay. I just didn't play as well as I needed to to keep my car. But yeah, the way I was playing in 15 and 16, I was very confident I could come back and do it again. But also the game of golf's changed a ton in the last decade. Um, you don't see many guys that play the way I did out there competing still today. Like the short precision hitters really don't exist anymore. Yeah. Zach Johnson, who you mentioned before. Yeah, he's done all right. We had a guy <laughs> call into our radio show the other day and say that Zach Johnson was a mediocre PGA Tour player. I was like, he's 14th all-time in career money. <laughs> and he hasn't had the greatest last three or four years when the purses have gone up. And he's a two-time major championship at the two most historic golf courses in the world. Hall of Famer? Oh, 100%. I'll take, I'll take that medi- mediocrity, please. Yeah. <laughs> Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You did compete in 199. Wow. When I saw that number, I felt I was, that's unfortunate. 199. Is it 200 if you count the Byron Nelson that you withdrew from? Or does that, is that part of the oh, 199? I don't yeah. know. I'd have to look back. I think it's 199 though. It's a, it's an interesting number. People, people ask me if I'm going to go back. 
and try one more. <laughs> just one, just what you can get an ex- and now you can get an exemption, probably, and play play one more. Uh, over thirteen seasons, what do you consider to be the highlight of your professional golfing career? Oh, professional. There wasn't many highlights. Um, you know, well, doing first I- off, let me say this. Cause I, I mean, you, you've hinted at it, but, but let me get the stat right. In 2007, you won three US GA tournaments. You were only the third player to ever do that after Jay Siegel. Great. And Bobby freaking Jones. Yeah. I mean, that is, uh, I mean, that is a huge accomplishment. And, you know, as I indicated before, like you were on a trajectory, you know, to be to be one of the top five players in the world, probably. Yeah, that was kind of the my thought, at least. <laughs> that, was, um, that was your initial plan. Yeah. yeah. But things change, Mox, as they say in Varsity Blues. Um, you know, highlight the professional career. I would probably say the Players' Championship the year I finished third shooting 63 on Friday there with a bogey on the last with, by the way, your man, Charlie Hoffman. No one had ever been 10 under par through 17 holes at any point at TPC Sawgrass. I'm 10 under through 17. I three putt 18 to tie the course record. And I'm a golf junkie, so I knew exactly what my little three and a half footer for 62 meant. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm a golf nut. I know all the, all the numbers. But the first text I got after shooting 63 on Friday was from the Seagull, Charlie Hoffman, saying, nice three putt. <laughs> I mean, just it's just so typical of him. He is, he is one of my favorite people. Nobody has a more fitting nickname than the Seagull. Uh, we were in Atlanta a few weeks ago. CBS was covering the Tour Championship for the first time. And I'm on the range, and they showed me on the range talking to Roy McIlroy. Get a text from Charlie. Glad to see you finally made it to the Tour Championship. <laughs> <laughs> he is something uh, special you know my, my my researchers by the way told me about you finally making it to the masters i mean they, i don't think they were they, they were uh making fun as much as just pointing that out to me oh my god he is a beaut he is He's something yeah he is a beaut yeah third at the players that's a big deal i do you, are you still tied for the course record no unfortunately tom hoagie uh, shot 62 last year, and now okay. he holds it alone. Yeah. Tough break. Now I got nothing. Second's not bad. <laughs> well, you still won three USGA events in 2007. Let me ask you this. Do you think, well, you brought up Tiger. I mean, that's he's like the obvious go-to guy. Do you believe, or do you know, because you've obviously spoken to him quite a bit, do you think he has those things in his head? Um, Probably not. I mean, he's so ridiculous. I mean, he's not even human. I mean, the things he's done, I mean, it's crazy looking at, you know, like historical records and like crazy streaks and everything. And every single one of them is Tiger. I mean, he was just so much better than everyone else. I don't Now I know he is a golf nerd and he knows who has the course record here, lowest score of all time here. So yeah, he, he definitely is aware of it, but when he's out there playing, he's so strong mentally compared to me. (laughs) He He ain't thinking about that stuff. Right. Well, I wonder I mean, people say, and look, I fully admit that I'm a mental midget, but people say when you're, when you're playing, just concentrate on the shot ahead. Totally right. Like leave everything behind, but people are like, they don't, don't think about your score. 
that's I don't. I mean, who's not doing that? By the right? way, I know I know what everybody in my group is at. Of course. Like I mean, I know everything that's going on. Of course. Yeah. So I don't really I think that's impossible. Like I know exactly how many under par or how many over par I am every single time I've teed the golf ball up my entire life. So that's pretty much impossible when someone gets done and be like, Oh, what I shoot today? I'm like, dude, you know damn well what you shot today. You know what? I just thought of something. I just thought of something. My best round ever. I actually lost track. Did I didn't you? lose track, but I I forgot where I was because I was on this day, on this weird day, I had gone under on the front and the idea of a minus on one side didn't compute to me and I lost track and had and the course was a par 71. And so I had about a five footer for 71. Really? And? And and didn't make it. How long was your putt for 72? But I <laughs> <laughs> I made the one for a 72. I was putting well that day. But I I was thinking it was just it was still for one over. I you know, I lost track of where I was, but I don't I don't know. That's only because I lost track. It wasn't like I wasn't thinking about it. I just think pro golfers in general, I mean, they're really, really good. And so they're normally under par. They know exactly where they stand. Yeah. At all times. Yeah. In 2020, after what I have heard you say is one of your favorite tournaments, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, uh, you decide to retire. Is that about your injury? Couldn't do it anymore? Yeah. So that was my the end of my major medical. And so that's kind of going back to what I said about going back and forth between Corn Ferry and PGA Tour. So I had two decisions. Either I do something else in my life or I go back to the Corn Ferry Tour. And I was 35 years old and I think I'd been out on the PGA Tour for six, seven straight years, something like that. And I was like, I don't think I can go back and do it. Like I, I had the opportunity with Sirius XM, do a show three days a week. I was like, I can make, I can finish top 10 on the Corn Ferry money list sitting in my office talking about golf three days a week. Like, right. I, and, and don't have to stress about making cuts or beating these young and hungry 22-year-old kids. So I had been done some work for CBS and Golf Channel at the time, and they reached out, and I was like, you know, I think, I think it's time. I think it's time for me to go try something else. I love talking about the game of golf. I love being at golf tournaments, and this gave me the best of both worlds. Like I still got to travel with the PGA Tour, be out there in the action, and talk about the game I love. I was like, I'm, I'm going to give this a go. I can always go back and try to go to Q School and play the Corn Ferry Tour or something like that. But – you know, I don't know if this opportunity with CBS Golf Channel and all that will always be there. So I decided, you know, take a little bit of a risk and went and got into the media world. It's weird to say that I'm part of the media, but man, am I having some fun with it? Yeah. All right. Well, before we we talk about that, I got to ask you: Do you miss playing competitively? I think you'll always anybody that does it for a long time will always miss it. Like I miss Tuesdays, trash talking and money games with the guys out there. That feeling of like you're going to throw up of over every shot when you're in contention on Sunday. Like you can't ever replicate that in everyday life. So you'll always miss that, but at the same time with the direction golf has gone where everyone smashes it and it's all about fitness and you got to carry it 320 or you don't have a chance and seeing the best players in the world up close and personal every single week like I do now, I'm like I have no business being out here playing against these guys. So um yeah, part of you will always miss the competition part, no doubt, but I've never been happier in my life than I am right now. How often do you play now? 
it depends during the season. Like I hate traveling with my clubs because uh, they're a pain lugging around. It's the worst. I know. So I don't play a lot, but now that we're finished, like I normally play three days a week, normally Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So you play three days, uh, walking, of course, <laughs> off, <laughs> from and, my cart to my ball. <laughs> yes. In the off season. And if it's cart path only, you don't, you don't play. Uh, See, here in Arizona, we oversee in October. And so it's carts on path only until like January 1. And it is the worst. I mean, really? you might as well just walk. Yeah, they keep the carts on the path for a long time around here just because it's so busy January through May. Um, they want their golf courses really green and pretty. So that's my least favorite time of year. One, the ball doesn't roll. So my drives go even shorter. And then you have to walk like 100 <laughs> yards from the cart path to your ball. It sucks. Yeah, I hear you. You have been described by me as the charles barkley of golf why do you think and first i want to talk about your role with cbs lead uh on course analyst is that no that's dotty that's dotty she's got the lead term i'm just on course analyst yeah on course to be fair on course yeah on course reporter analyst on course yeah but I feel like they're doing some really fun new stuff with you that is ultimately great for the game of golf. I'll bring up you at uh, the Waste Management Phoenix Open on the 16th hole there and the work that you've done the last couple of years from there. Why do you think that this work suits you? That's a great question. You know, I never had any plans of getting into this. I recently learned in the last couple of years, my mom told me that I would sit when I was a young kid and act like a broadcaster during all the sporting sport. Really? So I, that was interesting to hear. That's something I never knew. You know, I I'm a student of the game. The, I obviously played at a very high level for a long time. I know the guys so well, like, I mean, I'm just recently retired, Like the best players in the world are still some of my very good friends. And so I know what it's like to be out there, but I also, in the game of golf where a lot of people are scared to show any personality, I'm not. Right. You know, when I got that call from CBS, I'll never forget. I had a cast on my hand. I was probably with you. I was laying in my hotel room and I wasn't with you in my hotel room. I was in <laughs> Vegas at the same time as you, but I was laying there in bed when I got the call from CBS. And they're like, would you ever consider doing TV? And I'm like, I've never even thought about it. And they're like, well, a lot of people say you got one of the best personalities out there. And we're looking for guys that were ex-players to possibly do this. And I was still trying to play at the time. So it's like, well, that's kind of a slap in the face. They think my career's done, but uh, <laughs> it worked out. It worked out really good. So, you know, you mentioned the Charles Barkley thing, which is the biggest compliment anyone's ever given me, by the way. Thank you for that. I think he is the best in the business, how he makes it fun and informative and is not scared to, you know, say what he thinks. And right. that's what I try to do with golf. Like not everybody is a golf nerd. Not everybody knows exactly what's going on. So like when I talk, I want I want the average golfer to know exactly what I'm talking about and make it fun along the way. Like I, I know it's when it's time to be serious and stuff like that, but you know, making jokes about myself or Frank Nabolo or even Jim Nance having fun with those guys. I mean, it's a show. I mean, you know, you're right. in the entertainment world. Like it's, it's, that's exactly right. And here's what, here's what I think. I mean, I already gave you a compliment, but I'm going to, I'm going to explain <laughs> what I mean. You know, I mean, you bring up the fact that you're recently retired and you know a lot of the guys. Well, that could be true of dozens of players. Let's be honest. I think what makes you so refreshing 
is one, you're not afraid to have fun in a game that let's face it. There are times where I believe, and you maybe can't say this anymore, but I'll be happy to where the PGA tour at times tries to make it the no fun league. And that's what they call the NFL at times, but you know, takes itself just a little too seriously. And I'm a guy who loves golf, you know, just like you. And I think that you have a way of explaining to the average golfer what's going on and the not-so-average golfer what's going on. You're respectful of players, but it's not precious. And I think that's what people are tired of in the golf world specifically probably all sports but when it gets a little too precious it's a turnoff to be honest and i feel like that you have brought a renewed energy behind the broadcast where you're telling the story of what's going on on that day but also giving us enough backstory to have it mean just a little bit more and have it be a little more personal for all of us yeah, like like you said, it's 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 like I have no control over what happens on the golf course out there. Like my right. job is to inform the viewer, and if I can have some fun along the way, like that's what I want to do. Like I pay attention to everything that's going on in the world, up to date on current events. I know where I'm at. Like I love taking shots at other football teams around the world if we're in their city and stuff like that, and bringing them in, and then getting Twitter all riled up. Um, it's just so much fun. But I also know, like, if a guy hits a ridiculous shot, like. I, I appreciate it. And I can describe to the viewer at home like how difficult that was. You know, I, I use the example just to make fun of myself. Like we're at 16 at Muirfield Village up in Columbus, Jack Nicholas's tournament, and they had this pin tucked over water. It was an impossible pin. And I said, this whole location looks about as inviting as one of those gym signs. And people <laughs> just they think about it in a second and they're like, Oh, I get it. Like you don't want any part of that. And I'm like, exactly. Like you just ignore this whole location, shoot out to the right and, and move on with it. But you know, you can be serious, but just have some fun with it. And and you you mentioned energy. And like that's what I tell everyone at CBS. Like the one thing you can always count on me for every day when I show up to the compound, whether I'm having a terrible day or a great day, like I'm going to bring the energy. And I can tell like when, when I'm on the broadcast versus when I'm off, the difference in the energy. Everyone on that broadcast knows they can poke fun at me or say something creative to me and I'll give it right back to them or I'll, I'll roll with it. And right. so I think we're heading in the right direction, which is which is good news because, like you, let's be honest, golf can be very boring. There's no doubt. I mean, the old adage, I turn on the golf to take a nap. As a broadcaster, that's very insulting. I don't right. want you to take a nap. Right. I just want to scream, wake up out there every once in a while. Right, right, right. No, I know. It's fair. It's very funny. I, I, this is, I don't know if I've ever said these words before. But, you know, we, I hear a lot, not to make this about me, but about the office and the number of people that say, I put it on every night to go to bed. <laughs> Thanks. Well, <laughs> wait a second. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Full Swing documentary that Netflix did about the PGA Tour. You a fan? I thought it was great for the game of golf. They did a great job with it. For me, you know, I, I compare it to Drive to Survive, which was the first one of those that was a massive hit. Like, I knew nothing about F1. So when I watched it, I was fascinated. Golf, like, I knew all this. I didn't need to know how to make a cut or, you know, how many people play the weekend, what a birdie, what a par is, and all that. But I don't think that was made for me the guy who lives and dies with the game of golf. So for the people at home to bring more people into the game, it was fantastic. And the numbers have shown it. Like the viewership at PGA Tour events is up. The number of people that follow golfers on social media and the people that tune in, like it's great. So it's done great things. My one thing, and I've told Chad Mum this, is like they showed all the guys getting on the private jets, going tournament to tournament. Like let's follow the guys that grind it out to make a cut every week and are grinding to keep their tour card every single year. Like, I find that part fascinating. Yes. Well, you know, I talked to Charlie about this as well. Figala, though. I mean, that story, that episode there, I mean, it has to have given him thousands, if not millions of more fans. It was such an engaging story. And, you know, he just won. And, I mean, look, it's great. When you have a a young player come out, play amazing, and win a tournament, and if we know about those players or we want to know about those players, that's what makes it especially special. It was huge for him. I thought it was huge. I mean, look what Joel Damon, like Joel Damon became all of a sudden this fan favorite because of his personality. His caddy Gino was all over the episode. Was that, He's out there signing freaking autographs. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. But it shows you, I mean, that kind of exposure when you get on Netflix is awesome. I and mean, I can't, season two, I think will be even better because they obviously learned a lot from season one. They're like, okay, yeah. we can go this route and make it even better. But it is terrifying being out there every single week because you don't know who's mic'd up and who's not. So you got to be very careful with what you say. I made a comment to Max Homa's caddy, Joe Griner, one day, and he yeah. just starts laughing and I go, you're mic'd up right now, aren't you? Goes, yep. I'm like, damn it. I was like, delete that. I looked up for the guys. Uh, but it's yeah. so fun. Yeah. 
I think it's great. And I mean, it's, I mean, it shows what a nerd you are because yeah, I just gave the stats out. 42% people are watching more golf and 37% people are following and, and searching, et cetera, players and golf on social media sites. I think it's done a lot to grow the game as well as the little thing called COVID that happened. You know, it got more people playing. And so there too for with more people following the best players uh, in the world. Um, Live good for the game of golf or no? It's been a disruptor, obviously. And I think it's. Is that good or bad? I think it brought, I mean, like you mentioned COVID, like the only thing I think good that came out of COVID was golf. I mean, the numbers went nuts because. We were all going stir crazy and wanted to get out on the golf course. And so it brought a lot of new people to the game. Live, it's been a topic of conversation on every outlet, right? Whether it's CNN, Fox News, um, Good Morning America, I mean, the local coffee shop, whatever. Like golf's being talked about more than it ever has. So as far as attention-wise, it's great, but it's not all the best attention. Right. I'm not a fan of it. You know, I'm not crazy about the format. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm honest about that, but it's, it's not for me. I'm a traditional golf guy. Like I, I appreciate as a guy that struggled and grinded it out to make a cut every week. Like the cut is a big part of the game. And you asked Tiger what his greatest, you know, record he holds is. It's the consecutive cut streak. With I think it's like 145, 145 events in a row. That is just insane considering the longest active streak right now in the PGA Tour. I believe is 25. That's right. Sanders shot. Right. So it's it's insane. But you know, it's just it's not for me. Like I. I don't like the shotgun start. Like I like the leaders coming down the stretch at the same time. I like that guy going out there and shooting 63 on Sunday and posting a low score and sitting there and waiting to see if he has a chance. But look, it's done a lot of, like it's brought new eyeballs to the game of golf. Um, It's brought a lot more money to the professional players, which is fantastic. I just never thought I would see anything like this happen in my day. Right. There's a lot of political issues that have to be and should be resolved. Will the merger happen, do you believe? Oof. I, I, it needs to, I think, for the PGA Tour. Um, as we've learned, you know, they can't compete dollar for dollar with the PIF. I mean, there's just, there's no, nobody can. Right. Um, so if you want to do that, you're if you want to try to compete with them, you're going to lose. So I hope there's an agreement. Like, all I want is the best players in the world to play against each other as often as possible. That's right. I, I, I mean, that's all I care about. Like, you, you know out on the PGA Tour – what events have juice and what events don't like you get excited when 10 of the top 15 in the world are there. The majors are special. I always want those guys to be there in the majors, but I would like to see them more often. I miss Dustin Johnson. I miss Bryson DeChambeau, even Patrick Reed. He's a disruptor. Like, I mean, he's, he's the villain. Brooks Kepka is just a monster. Like those guys are great for the game of golf. I want to see him battling Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas, John Rahm as often as possible. Yeah. It, and obviously not all of them, but as I was talking to Charlie about this as well, like, and especially for you and your job, it's about the stories, right? Mm-hmm. And it does feel like not all of them and not, I'm not endorsing this position. It's, but a lot of the villains left. Yes. hundred percent. And that I think all sports fans appreciate and want that if the Yankees were gone, it wouldn't be as much fun to beat the Mariners or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's 
you you want a behemoth or you want a personality that you can root you know for or against yeah i, I use brooks kepka and he's not i mean you can consider him a villain if you want whatever it is but like when he shows up at major championships you know he's the baddest man on the planet <laughs> right week. like it is just i remember at beth page he goes out there and shoots 63 on thursday at the PGA Championship, and every single person in that field goes, we're screwed because Brooks Kepka just went out and took the lead. And he's one of those guys. He's a polarizing figure. And you talk to other players, and they're just like – they hate to admit it, but they're like, he is a problem when it comes to majors. Like, right. he's that guy, and he's the he's all business. He's not going to give you these funny quotes or anything like that. He says, my job is to show up, take care of business, and lift another major championship trophy onto my mantle. And – he does it at a ridiculous rate. So, yeah, there's those guys like him, even Patrick Reed, who, I mean, you know, has had all his situations throughout the years. I mean, Bryson DeChambeau, when he came back and was driving 370-yard greens and trying to knock it on par fives and one, like people loved seeing that. And he was different. I think you've got to have those guys that are different um, to make the sport interesting. Right. I'm not talking about world rankings. Who is the best golfer on the planet right now? That is such a tough question, but I, I think you still got to go Scotty Scheffler. His ball striking numbers are just insane. I know he's number one in the world statistically, but like nobody hits the golf ball the way Scotty Scheffler does. If he puts it all, like he wins by a hundred. And there was two tur- he went back to back tournaments this year at Colonial Memorial where he missed out on a playoff by a shot and was dead last in the field. He he barely beat you in putting for the week <laughs> and lost by a shot. Like I'm like. All you have to do is putt better than one person and you walk away with this thing. That's it's just that's how terrifying it is with how good he hits the golf ball because if he just makes anything, you ain't beating him. Right. That's your answer. Yeah. Shuffler. My favorite to watch, like just like one part is Roy McElroy drive the golf ball. It's like golden tee. Just spin it back and spin it forward and it goes 330 down the middle every time. Yeah. It's fun. It's an interesting time to be a golf fan. You're right in the middle of it. What's your favorite event to cover now? Masters? Yeah, definitely. You know, I haven't been on the main coverage of the Masters. I'm hoping that comes this year in 2024. Definitely going there every year. That is so special. But at home here, I mean, it was my last event, the WM Phoenix Open. That atmosphere is just so cool. And when they put us down there on 16 on Saturday, that is just so much fun getting involved with the crowd and it's just it's so unique you don't other other tournaments try to replicate that 16 but there's only one wm phoenix open it's it's such a fun week it's a party um that one's hard to beat you have a a show on sirius xm gravy and the sleaze yep your nickname big gravy how did you get your nickname where'd it come from so that all happened from steve elkington uh, okay. Former professional golfer, major champion. One day on Twitter, people are going back and forth, and this guy's giving me a hard time. And Elk just chimes in. He's like, "Lay off my man, Big Gravy." And I'm like, "Where the hell did that come from?" <laughs> he's like, "He's like, I'm a bourbon guy. He's like, there's a there's a really nice bourbon called Big Gravy. I love, it, and I just feel like it kind of suits you." And it was one of those ones. It just literally just took off out of nowhere. <laughs> so yeah, I got to give Elkington all the credit. It's just one of those nicknames that. Went. It wasn't the most flattering thing, I would say, <laughs> but it's yeah, and, and I kind of like it now. Now I just own it. <sighs> I like it. You uh, you enjoy doing the show still? Love I mean, it. you're like the busiest man in golf too. I mean, you talk about not wanting to grind and hit balls anymore. Tried to work on the Corn Ferry Tour, but 
I mean, you've got your amazing podcast that is about to have a very special guest. Very special. Golf's subpar with Drew Stoltz. You've got Gravy in the Sleaze. So this is this is the same show that you were offered for Sirius when you retired, right? Yeah. So I got offered this Sirius XM at LA. I was doing TV, just uh, my first ever TV event. And Scott Greenstein from Sirius XM gave me a call and said, would you want a show? And I'm like, I mean, God, I mean, Sleaze and I had been talking about doing a show together for years, just never knew how to get one. And then, yeah, we started out at one day a week for an hour, quickly went to three, three days a week for two hours. They want us to go to five, but I don't have time for that. But man, I, I love it. It's it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I have to miss shows and occasionally for travel. But I honestly tell people like I think doing the Sirius XM and the podcast makes me better on CBS because I have to talk about everything that's going on in the game of golf right. between those two shows. So it, you know, informs me on a lot more things. Like I know those crazy numbers about Netflix and stuff like that, where I don't think I normally would. Right. But yeah, I mean I, the Sirius XM, it's nine to eleven in Scottsdale. So I wake up have some coffee, stroll into my office. Drew comes over and we just sit here and it's like two buddies just talking back and forth for two hours and we get paid to do it. It's insane. It's great. You're amazing to listen to. You offer so many insights. Again, I know to people who don't know golf well, but even those who do are constantly listening to what you have to say. It should be mentioned this year, you made your first trip to beautiful, my Favorite place on the planet, the American Century Golf Championship in beautiful Lake Tahoe. Do you want to see something amazing? What? So I was literally getting ready for this show, and I was on a trip to South Carolina yesterday, so I was pulling my backpack or stuff out of my backpack, and I find this chip from <laughs> Harris. I can't make this up. Harris Tahoe, $100. That is a $100 black $100 chip Harris from chip. Harris in Lake Tahoe. Wow. So, uh, hilarious. That means I have to go back next year so I can cash this out. You have to cash, <laughs> you have to cash yeah. it out. Did you enjoy being there? The greatest week of the year, honestly. It, I'd, I'd heard stories. I was going up there. We flew up there on Tuesday or Wednesday. Sleaze and I did a deal for Corbell on the long drive. Yes. On 16 there. And then I, my good buddy, Alex Kalorn, who was making his first appearance, two-time Stanley Cup champion, he's like, would you want a caddy? And I'm like, God, it's 140 degrees in Scottsdale? I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll caddy for you. We end up playing great the first day, get paired with Steph Curry in the last group on Saturday. He makes the hole-in-one on eight. Like, it was such a fun week. I knew it was going to be fun, but it, it blew me away. That is seriously I, I see why y'all have so much fun and see why you look forward to it every year. I mean, that scene on 17, when we came through there on Saturday, I'm like, this is this is like playing with Tiger right now with Steph Curry out here and all these people. Right, right. Uh, man, they do a great job there. That is, if you, if you ever get a chance to go, for those listening, you got to go. It's a blast. Where would you put it, ranking-wise? As a, as a, I understand it's not a PGA Tour fan. I'm well aware. They let me play. But yes. what? What, but what? Where would you rank it? As far as just fun, I don't know if you can beat it. Like you can't it, beat it. I mean, with all you guys, all I mean, some the names that play in this tournament: you, Charles Barkley, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the list goes on and on. Steph Curry, Justin Timberlake's played in the past. Like to see those guys up close and personal. Then you see them in the casino afterwards. Travis Kelsey, by the way, who's probably MVP every year, puts on an absolute show. He puts on a show. You can't, you can't make it up. Like it's fantasy land. Like, yeah, 
I'm making sure my CBS schedule does not conflict with the, whatever American century at Lake Tahoe. Like I got to be there every year. Yeah. It's, it's a great time. Well, it's always the same week, just so you know. So I believe it's opposite Scottish Open. It's the week before the British Open. The British Open. Yeah. So it's opposite the Scottish Open, which just so happens we have 18 events next year for CBS. I get 17 of them, and I happen to have the Scottish Open off. So, so I'll see you in Lake Tahoe. Oh, baby. Here we go. <laughs> I cannot wait. You know, what's interesting to me and no one else, the American Cent- – I've never talked about this before. I don't – probably because nobody would be interested, but that tournament in a way was built – because NBC did not have the British Open. So it was counter-programming to the British. It was the same weekend on NBC versus your employer, CBS. Yeah, well, it was uh, it was a rather good idea, whoever yeah. came up with it. Because <laughs> John Miller, my friend. My God, I mean, that is a show. And, yeah. I mean, between the golf, everything going on at night, can't beat it. It's the best week of the year. It takes 10 years off your life, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> You haven't aged a bit. Colt, thank you <laughs> so much for coming on. Uh, check out Colt's podcast, Golf Subpar, as well as Gravy in the Sleaze on Sirius XM. And of course, you can hear my good friend doing the best work in professional golf on CBS. Not the lead commentator, but an on-course correspondent uh, for CBS. Check him out at least if NBC, if they have the tournament and not NBC. Colt, thanks a lot, my friend. You got it, my man. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. Colt, thank you, my friend. Thanks for joining me. And thank you for bringing some personality and incredible knowledge to those who like to watch the game of golf. Unfortunately, I have to report that since we recorded this conversation, Team USA did not win the Ryder Cup. But hey, Colt got to go to Italy, so it's not all bad. And rest assured, we will see the Europeans back on American soil in two years. Guess what? You don't have to wait two years for me. I'll be back next week, same time, same podcast. I hope you all will be here too. Until then, yeah, have a fantastic week. Off the Beat is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our senior producer is Diego Tapia. Our producers are Liz Hayes, Hannah Harris, and Emily Carr. Our talent producer is Ryan Papa Zachary, and our intern is Ali Amir Sahin. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by the one and only Creed Bratton. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke. No spit and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.